Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a blessed day it is for us to be able to come together and have conversation as far as the word of God is concerned. And uh, this is something I don't take for granted. Uh, certainly delighted. And we thank God for each and every one of you who is joining us as far as this time together is concerned. Um, I'm going to uh, open us up with a word of prayer. And then I'm going to kind of give you a, a prologue on what we're going to deal with over the next couple of weeks. So let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. God, we come to you and we thank you right now for how powerful you are, how wonderful you are, how gracious you are, how loving you are, how forgiving you are. We come uh, in the midst of a world that continues to descend into the abyss. We come to you in the midst of a culture that fails to recognize the essence of your power and your presence. We come to you in the midst of declining church attendance and uh, people uh, falling to false doctrine and itching ears. We come to you because, God, we need you. And so, Lord, I pray right now as we prepare to have conversation uh, and study your word over the next couple of weeks dealing with the issue of evil, that, God, you will open our hearts and minds to understand and appreciate uh, who you are and how you're able to give us what we need in times like this. So God, show yourself strong and mighty as only you can. In Jesus' name, we pray for you to be the master teacher. Amen. Amen. I see many of you all that are, are joining us as far as online is concerned, and thank you so much. I want to set up for the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about uh, dealing with what uh, I consider to be a major issue when it comes to um, when it comes to doctrine and belief and uh, just all things as far as uh, dealing with God, and that is um, dealing with evil. Dealing with evil. And I want to do something. Uh, that I felt would be um, applicable for, for us as far as these times are concerned. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've really been grappling with the shootings that took place in Buffalo, as well as what happened in um, Texas. And my heart aches. And yet, Family, I have to be honest, I'm sick and tired of hearing politicians and pastors and others say our hearts and our prayers go out to those who have been impacted. Um, I, I think because of my relationship with God and because of my training, I wrestle with a lot of things. One is the sovereignty of God. The other one is the responsibility of humanity. One is the issue of sin and evil. And what I want to do is I want to, over the next couple of weeks, uh, help us to process um, this idea of evil. Because what happened in Buffalo, what happened in Texas, what continues to happen to black and brown people across the width and breadth of this land and this world um, is evil. And, and I want us to, to wrestle with 
with this. Um, I want to, if I could, over the next um, couple of weeks, delve into some passages of scripture that hopefully and prayerfully will bring to bear how do we deal with this, quote, problem of evil. And so today I want to uh, call your attention to several passages of scripture. I'm going to have them posted and uh, we're going to roll through each one of those passages. I'm going to do a little exposition or explanation of each passage. And we'll continue to have conversation as far as um, this topic of evil is concerned. Um, I don't know about you, but when I see wicked things uh, happen, uh, yes, I get angry, I get upset, I question God. I want you to know that God is not intimidated by your questions. (laughs) Uh, um, God is not brought down by your questions. And I think that uh, a lot of us have really a misunderstanding of who God is. And so I I want to, if I could, um, just wrestle with this for the next couple of weeks. because I don't know about you, but uh, there are some people who really wrestle with the existence of, of evil. And, and how can God be good if evil exists? Uh, as a matter of fact, sometimes when we look at the church's response or the Christian's account for the existence of evil, is it any better? than that of the atheists or the humanists or the secularists. Uh, One thing that we got to wrestle with is, does God's existence and how God revealed God's self in the Bible shed any light on the issue of evil? Is there anywhere in scripture that we can get something precise and in depth that will help us to wrestle with this? Because I'll be honest, most Christians uh, don't do well when we try to process evil and when we try to deal with the issue of evil in the world. We just throw it off by saying, well, you know, it happened because of the fall and sin came into being and that's why we are where we are. So I want to open us up with the scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says it like this. Because too long, answers to the question like the issue of evil uh, leave church folks, Christians, (laughs) theologians frustrated, and we really sound dumb. And I'll be honest, if God has not given us any better solution of God's ways and purposes, uh, then those answers that some church folk give and theologians posture would suffice. And this is what some of them say. Deuteronomy 29, 29 reads, the secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. 
The secret things of the Lord probably refer to the future details that God has not revealed. Okay. But yet what God has demonstrated, what God has shown in nature and in revelation uh, deals with several things. Number one, he shows us what will happen when we disobey him, that there's going to be future judgment. He shows what will happen when you do obey him, that there are blessings. He shows us what happens when you engage in living a holy life. And for Israel, that was enough to encourage the Israelites to follow the word of the law. So when Moses writes this particular aspect in Deuteronomy 29, 29, he is letting us know that whatever God has dropped in the natural realm belongs to us. The law, the revelation, the imagination, the very essence of who God is, that belongs to us. Now, I think that we have to be very careful about a couple of things. Because speculation about the ways of God that God has not revealed to us is wrong. <laughs> in other words, when you and I try to speculate about certain things that God has not given us or has not revealed to us, um, that is to, in a sense, misrepresent who God is. In other words, to say things about God that God has not first said is to really lie on God and to falsely represent God as different from what God has revealed. And this is why it is so important for you and I to understand the very essence and the very likeness of God. I want to now call your attention to Acts 17, verses 10 through 12. Acts 17, verses 10 through 12. Okay. Acts 17, verses 10 through 12. Now, I know it seems like it's disjointed right now, but I promise I'm going to put this all together. All right. So Acts 17, verses 10 through 12 says, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they had received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. So, what, what, what is being said right here? That under the cover of night, um, the uh, people in Thessalonica, they sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. And I believe that Berea is almost like 50 miles southwest of Thessalonica. And um, it, it, it was there where they entered into the synagogue. Now, this is the thing that blows my mind. The Jews that were in Berea uh, were better people than those in Thessalonica. And they welcomed Paul's message with great enthusiasm because guess what? 
They have been reading the Bible, the scriptures, the Old Testament every day to see if what Paul was saying is true. So here's what I'm getting ready to drop on you, that when it comes to us understanding who God is and what God is all about, you and I cannot engage in speculation. We have to engage in revelation and revelation comes primarily through what? The word of God. Oh, I hope I'm teaching you all good. The word of God. So this is different from the Jews in Thessalonica because only a few of them believe because they weren't reading the scriptures. They created trouble and issues and, 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 and problems for Paul and, and, and Silas and Thessalonica stirred up trouble. Why? A lot of it goes back to the fact that they weren't in the word. Now, this is what I want to drop on you because this is why a lot of us really wrestle and have problems with the issue when I'm talking about of evil. The Bereans, because they were reading the word, resulted in Jews and Gentiles being converted to the ways of Jesus Christ. Even men and women, prominent women in both Thessalonica and Berea received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So one of the ways for us to really understand what it is that God is saying about God's self is what? To get into the word. And the more we get into the word, and I'm not talking about uh, just in Bible study and just in Sunday school and just when it's time to preach. But I'm talking about when you're in the word for yourself, you're spending devotional time with God. God has a way of revealing the very essence of truth to you that you can watch this. Try the spirit by the spirit to see if it is of God. I hope I'm teaching you well. So. The problem with a lot of us in today's culture is that we say things about God that God has not said about God's self, that has not been revealed in God's word. We engage in speculation. And when you do that, you have problems. All right, I want to show you something here. First Peter 4.11. All right. All right. First Peter. 4, 11. And it reads like this. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies that all that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now watch this. Peter, in this particular verse, divides the Christian service into to two categories. The one who speaks and the one who serves. Let him that speak as the oracles of God, let him that minister, let him do with the ability to which God supplies. This division at this particular moment is dealing with the distinction of the leadership as far as ministry roles are concerned, preaching and teaching, and then engaging in service. And they overlap and they depend upon each other, but both of them really is undergirded by the provisions 
of God. The reason for relying on God's words and God's power is that God will receive praise through Jesus Christ. Okay? And so at the mention of Christ's name, Peter is offering a word of praise as the benediction. So basically the praise and credit for the preaching and teaching of the word for the service that the church engages in should always be given to who? Jesus Christ. Now, hopefully and prayerfully, I'm laying some good foundation for us. All right. Now, so here's where, where we got to wrestle with. If one fails to say what God has revealed in scripture, we do the same thing as those who speculate about what God did not say in scripture. And that is precisely the sort of failure that we have when it comes to dealing with the problem of issue or the, or the issue of evil um, as we walk through this. So let me drop this for you and we'll put it in, in some stuff in the chat. All right. So where does this so-called problem of evil come from? In other words, I don't know about you all, but let me throw some questions out there that maybe some of you all have thought about. If, if God is so good, and if the world is so good, then how does Sandy Hook, how does the murders in Buffalo, how does the shooting in Uvalde, Texas, how does American slavery take place? If God is so good, and if this is a good world, how, how, how is it that people can be minding their own business and get hit by a drunk driver and die? If God is so good and, 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 and God is in charge, how does rape take place? And why do we continue to deal with wars? Why, why do we have to deal with sickness? If, if God is so good, why do we have to... To put up with depression and anxiety and panic attacks. If God is so good, how does COVID exist in God's good world? Are they secrets? <laughs> Remember, I shared with you all Deuteronomy 29, 29. Are they secrets that only belong to God? That we'll understand it better by and by? Hopefully I'm helping you to wrestle with some things. If God is so good, why does evil exist? Now, a whole lot of us would say, well, pastor, you know, uh, evil came into existence because of the fall of Adam. Well, to say that all evil is a result of the fall of Adam is right, but it's inadequate. And why is it inadequate? Because apparently, Evil had to exist before the fall. Okay? Evil had to exist before the fall. So here's another question we got to wrestle with. If that's the case, if the devil or the snake in the garden caused the fall, then how could devil, how could Satan exist in a good world, a good creation that God created, and how could God 
really be ultimately in charge, omnipotent, and sovereign. Okay? Hopefully, I'm making some sense. Hopefully, I'm making some sense. And, and that is the so-called problem of evil. Okay? That's the so-called problem of evil. So let me unpack some stuff for us right now. Okay? Because what I want us to understand that is not just as simple as, yeah, well, that's why God sent Jesus to deal with it. Okay? We, we got to really unpack this. Um, too often, the problems... The, the answer to this question is not stated properly. The problem is not stated properly. Okay. Um, um, maybe it should be put this way. When God has given an unmistakably clear and sufficient reply to such questions, why do theologians persist in saying that God has not. In other words, why do folks say God has not given us a response on how to deal with evil? Okay. Why do they go through shuffling their feet to only him and haw about a fact that is as plain as the way of salvation itself? And I'm afraid that oftentimes um, people are so loaded with humanism and skepticism that they're blinded to the truth or they refuse to teach it out of fear of what other people are going to say. Okay. So let me unpack some stuff for you because we live in a world of a whole lot of interesting, different doctrines and beliefs that I really want to unpack for us. I don't know if you all ever heard of the Christian scientists, but Christian scientists, they will say uh, that there is no evil. That there's no such thing as sickness and death and sin. Um, their basic thing is that you got to overcome the mortal mind. But that's crazy. We know there's sickness. We know that people die. We know there's sin. All right. So when Christian scientists talks like that, it's like a snake trying to swallow itself. Tail first. All right. Then you have another group, some people, they call themselves process theologians. And what process theologians? Process theologians basically say that God is continuing to reveal God's self, that God is a evolving being. <laughs> but God does not have to evolve into anything. All right. So what the process theologian would say basically denies the sovereignty of God. All right. Uh, they, they erode God's omnipotence, God's omniscience and God's omnipresence. So so this is how the process theologian deals with this issue of evil. Either God knew about evil's future existence when God created the world. And though desiring otherwise, God could not stop evil or God is a God who did not know what God was doing when he created the universe. That's process theology. All right. We know neither one of those is true. So 
let me help us to go even deeper as far as this is concerned. Because the God that we serve, the God that we know, the God that we love is not a wimp. Okay? Uh, God is sovereign. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. And if you don't believe me, I want you to, if you would, let's read Isaiah 46, verse 10. Isaiah 46, verse 10. Okay? Now, watch this. Isaiah 46 says... Declaring the end from the beginning. Did you catch that? The end from the beginning. And from the ancient time, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. All right. Now, what, what's, what's going on right here? What's going on right here? This is the writer Isaiah talking about the, the rebels or the people of Babylon were to remember that God is the only God and that God is unique. And basically what they're saying is that the proofs of God's uniqueness includes, check this out, God's knowledge and control of the future and God's ability to bring Cyrus from the east, like a quick bird of prey to accomplish God's plans. All right. So what this is talking about is how Cyrus was going to come and overtake Israel because of what? Their wickedness. Okay. So basically, all I'm trying to let you all know is that there are no surprises to God. No surprises to God. Let's go to Ephesians 1.11. 1.11. All right. Ephesians 1.11. And these words are printed. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And I want to read verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. All right, now watch this. Paul is dropping some good stuff here because Paul wants us to understand that part of the blessing of being connected to God is for us to have an appreciation into the mystery of the will of God. And what Paul is trying to say in this particular text is that Jewish believers are included in the body of Christ. All right, that they are chosen, that they have been appointed, that they have been predestined, that this is not something that God all of a sudden decided to do, but God already had this worked out, all right? Now, watch this. So when we look at the combination of these words, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, this is the emphasis of the sovereignty of God to include Jewish believers to trust Jesus Christ. Okay? Walk with me just for a moment. Walk with me just for a moment. 
So basically, Christ has set the sinner free from his or her sins and has revealed his will that all things will be headed up in Christ at the end of the ages, including Jewish believers who trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior. All right. All I'm trying to let you all know that nothing, therefore, is impossible for God to do that God wants to do. Evil is not some runaway element of the universe over which God does not have control. Well, why has God done anything? I'm so glad you asked. Here's where we got to drill down. You and I don't have to save God from the charge that God allowed evil to exist. All right? We don't have to save God from that charge because if that ain't the case, then the world is out of control at its most crucial point. All right? We don't have to save God from the fact that God knows about evil. All right? Now, goes back to that question that I want to push, that I want to press us on. It still fails to understand and answer the question, well, how can evil exist in a good world that God created? Why did God allow for evil to come into play? What's the purpose? If, watch this, if God hates evil, and punishes those who commit sin, how could God ordain it? All right? How, how could God allow for this to take place? Now, let me, if I could, drop this on you. This, again, is where theologians try to talk about mystery and paradox and say God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Uh, but I think that we can do better than that. I think we can do better than that. All right. So I want to whet your appetite for something. Because the God that I serve and the God that saved us from our sins uh, does not have any problem with us engaging the mind to wrestle with this. All right. And I want to unpack this in a very thorough way that will help us to appreciate what God is doing even with the problem of evil. So I'm going to whet your appetite. Not going to deal with it today, but next week we're going to deal with the so-called problem of evil that in a sense that is not a problem at all except for the sinners that make it. But rather, it's basic to the biggest spectacle of all time. I, I want to show you that there is nothing less than an insult to the God of the creation that when we deal with the issue and the problem of evil, to understand that God's got this under God's control. So next week, what I want to do is I want to unpack this so-called problem and show you the great truth about God and the great truth about our human existence that many of us fail to grapple with. And um, when we deal with that on next week, um, 
it is my hope and prayer that you will have a much better appreciation really for two things. Number one, who God is. Number two, who you are in God. So that ultimately, as we wrestle with the problem and the issue of evil, we will understand that the God of cosmos, that the God that has saved you and me from our sins has not left this to chance, but that God is doing something behind the scenes that God will reveal that will blow our mind. In other words, God is going to demonstrate God's power and for all of those that know who God is so that ultimately you and I can come to appreciate the very essence of God. So we're going to unpack that next week. I can't do that today because it is going to be very, very lengthy uh, for me to unpack, but I will give you a passage of scripture that I want you to read. I want you to read Romans chapter nine. I want you to read Romans chapter nine because Romans chapter nine, particularly verses um, 20 through the end of that chapter is going to give you some great insight as far as what God has purpose as far as all of this that we experience here on earth. All right. So this is a rel relatively short Bible study. Hopefully and prayerfully, it has whet your appetite. And hopefully and prayerfully, uh, it'll bring you back and, and invite others to join us next week uh, as we deal with this particular issue, this particular conundrum uh, when it comes to talking about evil. So before I close, are there any questions or comments that any of you have? Uh, if so, you can put it in the chat. All right. If not, uh, like I said, this is a short Bible study, so we're going to wrap up and close for right now. However, uh, read uh, Romans chapter 9, uh, particularly verse 20 through the end. We're going to pick up on that um, and really drill down on that and uh, unpack that in a very meaningful way that hopefully and prayerfully you and I will come to a better appreciation of what God can do as far as uh, this uh, aspect of dealing with evil is concerned. I um, want to encourage you that if you feel led to give, you have the opportunity to, to give at this particular time and you can give uh, in one of several ways. You can give um, by dropping off check cash or money order here at the church. And if you decide to do that, Call the church office at 704-334-5309. Make sure someone is here to receive your offering and you can drop it off uh, at the church or you can mail your check 
or money order to the church at 1401 uh, Allen Street, Charlotte, uh, 28205. You can also give uh, on our church website through Church Life or Vimeo. As far as that's concerned, ACS or Church Life, rather. And then you can also give through the app called Givelify. If you don't have that app on your smart device, download that app, connect it to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, you can give as far as um, uh, St. Paul is concerned. Um, as we close out, uh, as far as this moment is concerned, continue to lift up the hurting families in Buffalo, uh, the hurting families in Texas, um, continue to lift up uh, uh, the people of Ukraine because of war. I ask that we will put Decantino Ross on our personal prayer list as far as health challenge is concerned. I also ask that we will lift up Sister Karen Archibald, uh, as her brother, uh, Minister Sean West, uh, was in a uh, horrific accident a few days ago and had to have surgery. Uh, and we want to pray for his recovery. I also ask that we will continue to lift up um, our pastor emeritus, uh, Dr. Paul Drummond and his wife, uh, Sister Thomasina, and I would like for us to lift up Reverend Peyton C. Uh, we want to lift him up in prayer as well. Well, thank you all for joining us. Um, we look forward to going even deeper on next week as far as dealing with uh, the issue and the existence of um, evil. Uh, someone said the shooting families in Newberry, South Carolina. Okay. Thank you for, for sharing that. All right. Listen, blessings upon you all and we look forward to seeing you all um, next week.